Father, thank you that um, you're going to teach us how to sing a new song. Thank you that uh, ours is a, uh, what's the word? Ours is a family of singers. We are people who want to sing your song. And um, I, I thank you for that, Lord God, because that's not of us. None of us would ever have that desire except that you put it into us by your spirit. And so I praise you um, because you are a God who draws us closer and shows us such wonderful things in your word. And I pray, Lord God, that today all of our stuff, all of the things of our life that are uh, seeking to overtake our mind and to uh, cause distraction would just be put aside, Lord God, that you would set your guard around that so that our minds can be totally free to concentrate on you and that you would fill our minds, Lord God, not empty our minds, but you would fill our minds with your word and with the truth of who you are and with that great knowledge that you are a God who loves us beyond our wildest dreams and who will fill us with with the knowledge of your will. So I praise you, Lord, for what you will do, and I ask you to take over this whole day. Let it be your day, Lord God. Let us give to you our sacrifice of worship and praise as we attend and as we listen and as we read and as we ask you to be the great guide and director of our life. In Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Uh, I'm going to read Revelation chapter 4. So if you have a Bible, please go there. Revelation chapter 4. I'm going to do the first reading uh, today because my voice is still up to it, but um, maybe later on I'll ask people to read. Uh, Revelation chapter 4. After these things, I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven, and the first voice of a trumpet speaking with me, sorry, and the first voice which I had heard, like the sound of a trumpet speaking with me, said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after these things. Immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was standing in heaven, and one sitting on the throne. And he who was sitting on the he who was sitting was like a jasper stone and a sardius in appearance. And there was a rainbow around the throne, like an emerald in appearance. Around the throne were twenty-four thrones, and upon the thrones I saw twenty-four elders sitting, clothed in white garments and golden crowns on their head. Out from the throne came flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder, and there were seven lamps of fire burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. And before the throne there was something like a sea of glass, like crystal, and in the centre and around the throne four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. The first creature was like a lion, and the second creature like a calf, and the third creature had a face like that of a man, and the fourth creature was like a flying eagle. And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within, and day and night they do not cease to say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. And when the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne saying, worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and because of your will they existed and were created. Um, such a fantastic chapter, actually, and um, 
this chapter and chapter five are uh, taking place in heaven. And this is outside of our time, remember. I mean, the vision of Revelation is quite a difficult one and uh, takes a bit of working through. But these two chapters, chapter four and chapter five, are what is taking place outside of our time in heaven. So there is in heaven right now from eternity past to eternity future, right now there is worship going on in heaven. And the connection that that makes with us is that we who have believed in the Lord Jesus are with him, in him, high up above all rule and authority and every name that is named and all the dominions and powers. You and I, if we have put our trust in Jesus, are spiritually in him and he is there. He is there. Now, John is going to reveal to us through this chapter and chapter 5 the um, sp specific things that are going to happen at a point in our time. But for today, I want to be in that room. <laughs> I want to be in that throne room. I want to be where God is, where the Lamb is, where the Lion of the tribe of Judah is. I want to be there and I want to be worshipping and I want to be singing the song that they are singing because they are beholding the face of God. Can you imagine? Can you imagine that they, John is describing for us the throne room of God, the very room that we are told in Hebrews we can come boldly into, boldly, Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16, we can come boldly to his throne of grace to find help in our time of need. And when we come to that throne of grace, we come with myriads and myriads of people who have gone before us and angels who are singing in the heavens. And we come before the great and mighty God who says, come in, come in, come in. I know your name and I'm calling you here. In um, John chapter 4, uh, sorry, in Revelation chapter 4, John will start with the statement, after these things. And so, uh, like good students of the word, we want to see what he means by after these things. After what things? And if you go back to Revelation chapter 1, verse 19, what you get is a division of the whole book of Revelation, divided into three parts. Revelation chapter 1, verse 19. Therefore, well, I'm going to go back to 17. No, I'm going to go back to 12. <laughs> then I turned to see the voice that was speaking with me. And having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the middle of the lampstands, I saw one like a son of man, clothed in a robe, reaching to his feet and girded across his chest with a golden sash. His head and his hair were white like white wool, like snow. And his feet were like a flame of fire. His feet were like burnished bronze when it has been made to glow in a furnace. And his voice was like the sound of many waters. In his right hand he held seven stars, and out of his mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun, shining in its strength. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man, and he placed his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last and the living one. And I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and of Hades. Therefore, write the things which you have seen. So that's the first division in Revelation, in the book of Revelation. Write the things that you have seen. And what John has seen is what he's just described. That's what he's seen. Write the things that you have seen, and the things which are, the things that 
are when John is writing, i.e. chapter 2 and chapter 3, Jesus' message to the churches, to the churches then and to the churches across time, and the things which will take place after these things, after the church is lifted up off this planet, after you and I as believers are translated up like E.T., you know, not E.T., what's it, um, Star Trek. Do you remember on Star Trek? Oh, you're probably not old enough, some of you. Star Trek, beam me up, Scotty. That's what it's like, and we can't get that in our head, and it seems too ri ridiculous, doesn't it? It seems just too ridiculous for our finite mind, but it is true. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 to 18 will tell you that we will be that the Lord we will meet the Lord Jesus in the air. And in a moment, First uh, um, Corinthians 15, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we will be changed. That means the real us inside this body, which is corrupting and decaying and is never doing what we want it to do, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that body, that mortal, will take on immortality. This perishable will take on imperishable, and I will be with the Lord Jesus forever. First Corinthians 15, that is. First Thessalonians chapter 4, talk, Paul talks about uh, that event um, but here in Revelation, John is being told by Jesus, by the Lord Jesus, write the things that you have seen, write down what you've just seen, write the things which are, write about the churches, write about my message to the churches, then and down through time, and then write about what will take place after these things. And you see why it's important to look at that? Because um, chapter 4 opens up after these things. After these things, after chapter 2 and chapter 3, after Jesus' message to the churches, after these things, um, what happens? He is taken up and is standing in the throne room of heaven. Now, I don't know how good you are at imagining. I'm not usually very good at imagination. I'm a words person and a fact person, and I like to see it in black and white. But what I want us to do today is through the word of God, as the spirit makes it real to us, I want us to be in that throne room of God, praising God, listening to him, seeing what he has to say to us, picturing the beauty of it, the magnificence of it, because that's where we're going. That's where you and I are going. So all of the stuff in our life, all of the difficulties, all of the trials, all of the things we can't get rid of, and the things that keep attacking us, all of that, all of our relatives who drive us nuts, and our job that we hate, and, and our health which is never right, and, and, and all of the sin in our life that we just want to be rid of, but we can't seem to get rid of it and let go of it, all of that will be gone, and we will be standing in glory in this room, Revolution, <laughs> Revolution, Revelation chapter 4. Hallelujah, praise God, we will be standing there. So today, this first session, we're standing there now with John, and we are seeing what he is seeing. Why did God ask John to write this down? Why? Because he wants us to know. He wants us to know. I've told you, you can come boldly to the throne of grace, but you don't know what that throne looks like. So I'm going to tell you, it looks like this. 
it looks like this. It's like sardius. Who knows what sardius is? It's like jasper. There's a rainbow around it. And all day long, there are angels crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when you hear that inside of you, unbelievable as it may be, you find a great desire to sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. John, um, standing in the throne room, and all he can see is glory. All he can see is glory. And all he can hear is praise and worship. And that's where I want to be, as I say. That's where I want to be today. I want to sing the same song. I want to sing a song that is not about me. I want to sing a song that is about God. I want to sing a song that's not about my new life and Christ, fabulous as that may be, but that is all about the one who has given me that life. And I want to sing a song not about my deliverance, but to imagine myself in the throne room. When John saw Jesus in chapter one, what was his response? He fell on his face. He fell on his face. Anyone who sees Jesus now will fall on their face. Anyone who sees God will fall on their face. Why? Because he is magnificent. Because he is just magnificent and beautiful and fabulous and beyond anything we can imagine. And when we see him, I don't think that John fell on his face out of fear, although Jesus says to him, do not be afraid. But it is this reverential awe of this God who would call him up to that throne room. And when we think about where John was at that time and what was shortly to happen to him, it's even more amazing. John on the island of Patmos in exile uh, put there by the Romans, who will shortly, uh, tradition has it, be boiled in a vat of oil. That person received this revelation and passed it on to you and to me. So, worship that is all about God and wanting to be there in that throne room because we're in Sirencester. Do you know what I mean? And it's raining. And it's full of dirt and grime, not just Sirencester, but everywhere else. It's just full of muck. And we spend our life in the muck. And God is calling us through his word to get our eyes off here and into there. And not just our eyes, but our minds and our thinking and our mindset and everything, everything we look at and everything we think about, we start to look at and think about in relation to there, to there. What is my life here? It's there that I belong and it's there that I'm going. And I want every single thought and every decision and every, everything I feel to be linked with the place that I'm going, where I belong, where God is. That takes work. <laughs> that takes work. That doesn't just happen. 
So you came this morning. I don't suppose you knew exactly what, what we were going to be talking about. You knew it was singing a new song. You probably thought that'd be great worship. Mm. Singing worship, I mean. Um, but there's going to be great worship through the word. Darkly, yeah. As he is, yeah. And we will be like him. Is, yeah, wow. So Revelation chapter 4, uh, John is describing uh, what he sees, and it matches in part what Ezekiel saw when he was taken up and shown a vision of heaven. And what Isaiah saw in, in Ch Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 to 5, in the year of King Uzziah's death, I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. The difference between Isaiah and Ezekiel and John is that John actually saw God. Ezekiel and Isaiah saw only the, the throne room, but John saw God. Why do you think that is? Yes, because Jesus has died and been resurrected and opened up to us the face of God. Can see God and live. Mm. So now, in, uh, in chapter 4, we're ending with, Worthy are you, our Lord, o uh, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will, they, were ex they existed and were created. But then we go on to chapter 5, and the vision changes. It changes quite dramatically, and it's as if a, there's a television camera in heaven, and it zooms in on the hand of God, who is sitting on the throne. I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a book written inside and on the back sealed up with seven seals and I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals and no one in heaven or on the earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it then I began to weep greatly because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it and one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing as if slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into all the earth. And he came and took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And wait for it, they sang a new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood, men, that's people, from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels uh, around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. 
and every created thing which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all things in them I heard saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying amen and the elders fell down and worshipped. Um, what we see in this chapter is the, uh, the physical exaltation of Jesus Christ. He is exalted spiritually in our time. We know that he is at the right hand of the throne of God. But what we're going to see in this chapter is the eventual physical exaltation of Jesus, the handing over of the authority from God to him to judge the world. Um, and when we see that, we see him as the lamb and the lion, the redeemer, and we see him take up his final rightful place uh, in heaven. And what we're being shown here is not his victory over sin, which is done. It's his final, uh, the final revelation of the glory of Jesus Christ shown to us in this vision that uh, John has. And it will begin the manifestation, the expression, the outward showing of his great power. You see, the thing is, in our day, people think that Christ is still the baby in the manger. They think he's still on the cross. They think that he has no power because most often Christians who are supposed to witness to the power of Christ don't do a fantastic job. And so what happens is people tend to think of Jesus as gentle Jesus, meek and mild. And really, does he make a lot of difference? I mean, it's nice. It's a nice crutch for you to have some sort of faith. But does Jesus really come in power? Does he come in power? And so here on earth, while we are doing sometimes our best and most often not our best to manifest that power by his spirit through us, that we are trying to go along with him and say, have your way with me, do whatever you want. There will be a day when Christ Jesus will appear and he will be the powerful sovereign God that he is. He will be that in people's view. They will see him. Every eye will see him and every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord. So what we're seeing here is the uh, vision that John has about that. And they're going to sing a new song. And the people who are there in heaven are singing a new song. And that's talked about in Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 42, verses 9 to 13. Uh, Isaiah 42, 9 to 13. Behold, the former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things. Before they spring forth, I proclaim them to you. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing his praise from the end of the earth. You who go down to the sea and all that is in it, you islands and those who dwell on them, let the wilderness and its cities lift up their voices. The settlements where Kedar inhabits and the inhabitants of Selah sing aloud. Let them shout for joy from the tops of the 
the mountains. Let them give glory to the Lord and declare his praise in the coastlands. The Lord will go forth like a warrior. He will arouse his zeal like a man of war. He will utter a shout. Yes, he will raise a war cry. He will prevail against his enemies. These are days yet to come. This is the Messiah that by and large the Jews expected. The, the Messiah who would raise a war cry and prevail against his enemies. And when presented with the, the Lamb of God, the one who would die on a cross to take away the sins of the world, they could not fathom that God in their thinking. And so they by and large rejected him. You and I who have believed in the Lord Jesus, I don't know if you experienced the power of this risen Lord Jesus, but I can tell you that that power is there to be experienced. He has told us that he will give us victory over our sin, over our fear, over everything in our life, that victory is available if we just lay hold now, you might manage to lay hold for 10 seconds in the morning. I'm pretty good for the first five or 10 minutes. But after that, it's a struggle to lay hold of this. Why? Why? Because I don't see the throne room with my physical eyes. Because I can't see the rainbow around his throne. And I can't see the line of the tribe of Judah. I cannot see his might and his power and his majesty. I can't see that with my human eyes. And so everything in my mind and everything in my flesh and all of the world around me and the enemy of my soul is saying, is that really true? Is that really true? Is Jesus really that powerful? If you give him your life, will he really make a difference? Will he really transform you? Will you really become the person you long to be? That's why we have to learn a new song. That's why we have to learn a new song. We have to learn the song of people who stood in the throne and saw their God. We have to be so sure with the eyes of our faith that they supersede the eyes of our flesh. Do you know what I mean? That somehow when we see with our human eyes and all we can see is darkness and confusion and chaos, that there is something that clicks in our head and in our heart that says, but that is not true. This is the truth. John records that uh, when Jesus took the scroll out of the hand of God, weeping stopped. That's what he says. They were weeping because there was no one who could open this scroll. And then he took that and the weeping stopped. And in Psalm 14 and in Luke chapter 1, what you read is that the prayers of people go up to the Lord as praise. And that's what you start to see now through uh, Revelation, that Revelation will start to talk about the prayer of the saints, the prayer of people like you and me. And those prayers rise up like praise into the throne room of God. Um, I'm going to read, so, sorry, it's not Psalm 14, Psalm 141. Psalm 141, um, verse 2. 
Psalm 141, verse 2. Well, I'll start uh, in verse 1. O Lord, I call upon you, hasten to me. Give ear to my voice when I call to you. May my prayer be counted as incense before you, the lifting up of my hands as the evening offering. When you pray, your prayers are about the praise of God, and you link yourself to the praise that is going on in heaven. Have you ever thought about your prayer as praise? Have you thought about your prayer as being praise? How might your prayer be praise? Think about it now. Yes, you're asking for the will of God. So what? You, how is that praising God? You're acknowledging who God is, exactly. So when you're praying, Lord, I want your will, what you're saying is your will is better than my will. Your will is fantastic. That's what I want. When you're saying to him, I want your glory to be shown through my life, then that is praising God because you know he has glory and you want that glory shown. When you pray, almost anything that you're praying that will eventually result in the glory of God is a praise to God. If you're asking him for a new Ferrari or a big house, that's probably not praise. Unless you're going to open it up and collect in all the homeless people that you know, then that might be praise to the glory of God. But you see what I mean? So now think about that. Think about your prayers, that they go up as incense. Yes, and they are supposed to be praise. Start to think about what you pray about. What fills your mind when you come to the Lord either in the morning or the evening or all those moments in between? What do you pray about? What do you come to the Lord about? And is it praise God's people in Revelation chapter 5 joined uh, oh sorry all the way through the Bible join their voices with those in Revelation chapter 5 that's what we're supposed to be doing and when and when we do that we're singing see you may have a terrible voice and you may not like to sing very much but your prayer is song it's song and in chat, Revelation chapter 5, uh, there's a particular type of song. What is the type of song that they say, sing in, in verse 9? How does it begin? And they sang a new song. It is a new song. Why is this a new song that's being sung in heaven? You thought you'd just be able to sit and fall asleep, but you can't. Come on. Why is it a new song? Yeah, but it's even further on than that because he's now taking the scroll which has the judgment of the whole world in it. So he's taking that scroll and they've never seen that before. So a new song is about something you have never seen before. And what else? It's a new song and then what? See, this I, it's so hard to keep this, keep my voice from going off. There's so many things you could say. You just don't have the time. So it's a new song. And then what else? What does it say in, in verse 9? What sort of a song was it? Worthy are you to take the book. It is a worship song. You are worthy. What does worship mean, actually? What, is it, what does the word worship mean? worth, to ascribe worth to something or someone. So you sitting here today is worship. You are worshipping God or worshipping the Lord Jesus because you thought it was worth your time. 
You thought he was worth your energy. He was worth getting out of bed for. That's what you're saying to God. I don't know much about you, Lord, but I know this. You're worth getting up and going out on a rainy morning. Because what you're going to tell me is going to be so much more than I could get in my bed. It's a new song. It's a worship song. Think of all the songs we sing today. Think of all the songs that you hear in churches today. And they are almost all of them about me. Of course they're about God. I mean, you're in a church, so of course we're going to bring God in if we can. If we can find a line at the end of the verse, we'll bring him in. And, and so, of course, they're about what God has done for me, how he's delivered me, how this, how that. But eventually, most of the songs that we sing in our churches today are all about me. And you don't hear those songs in heaven. And you don't read them in Scripture. They are all about the one who did it all. So they're singing, Worthy are you to take the book and break its seals, for you were slain. So it's a new song. It's a worship song. And what else is it? For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood. What sort of a song is it? Declaration. It's a gospel song. It's a gospel song. It's a new song. It's a worship song. And it's a gospel song. Can you think about Just think about that. They're singing the gospel. They're singing the gospel. At the end of time, they're still singing the gospel. Why? Yeah, because it's good news. And? Yes. And? They're talking about the the cross and the crucifixion of Christ, his purchasing by his blood, even at the end of time, what we are being shown is that the cross is the pivotal focus point of all of time, all of history. That everything, yes, everything is focused on the cross, even there. You purchased, you were slain, and that word means violently slain. You were slain and purchased for God, people from every tribe and tongue and nation. This is a new song. It's a worship song, and it is a gospel song. Um, and the whole Bible speaks of the gospel. Genesis chapter 22. Everybody, yeah, you, you know Genesis chapter 22? What happens in Genesis 22? Doesn't matter, don't worry about going there too much. But what happens in Genesis 22? Abraham is asked by God, take your son, your only son whom you love, to the mountain that I will show you, and there sacrifice him. And Abraham takes his son to the mountain, Mount Moriah, where they eventually will build the temple in uh, Jerusalem. And he takes his son there, and he's just about to kill him. Amazing, amazing faith, amazing. Abraham, it says in, tells you in um, Romans and in Hebrews that he expected God to raise him from the dead. So much did he trust the promise of God. But he's just about to um, slay him. And what, does it, what happens? There's a lamb in the thicket. God has provided a substitute for us. There in Genesis 22, way back at the beginning, you've got the gospel. God has provided a substitute for us. 
Galatians chapter 2, uh, verse 20, if you want a cross-reference to that, is a picture of Christ giving his life for um, every single person here. If you're sitting in this room, well, even if you're not, if, even if you were standing outside, Jesus Christ gave his life for you. Galatians 2, verse 20, For I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live. For the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. Um, yeah, um, the first Passover lamb, even before Abraham, Exodus, Exodus chapter 2, I think it is, uh, the Israelites coming out of Egypt where they'd been in slavery for so long, told to take a lamb and take its blood and put it over their doorposts. If you're struggling to keep up, wake up, have some more coffee, um, Put the blood over the doorposts. Why? So that when the angel of death passed over, he would pass over them because he would see the blood on the doorframe. What is that a picture of? It's a picture of Christ, our Passover lamb. Christ, the Passover lamb. Isaiah chapter 53 and John 11, all of them talking about the lamb of God who would take away the sins of the earth. And here in uh, Revelation chapter 5, there you have the new song, the new song, a worship song, a worship song about the gospel and the Lamb of God. And uh, Anne, I think you said it's also a victory song. It's a victorious song. Why? Because he's done it. He's actually purchased, purchased by his blood. People from every... A nation and every tongue and every peoples, it says. He has actually done it. Out of every family on the earth, every tongue, every peoples, there are people purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. There is no place on this entire planet where God has not already purchased someone by the blood of Christ. Yeah. God loves the whole world. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. The whole Bible talks about Jesus and the crucifixion. Why? Yes, yes. Because it's the gospel. Yeah, yes. Yes. Only a spotless lamb, yes, all of those things are true. But from the beginning, from Genesis chapter 3, even before the beginning, in the beginning, God, in the beginning, right at the beginning, God, Ephesians chapter 1 will say, before the foundation of the world, he chose you. He chose you to be holy and blameless in his sight. So even before Genesis chapter 1, God had put everything focused on Jesus Christ. Why? Because it is only through Jesus that anybody and everybody will be able to come into that throne room of God and see him high and lifted up. No other name. Yeah. So what else? It's a new song. It's a worship song. It's a gospel song. It's a victorious song. And it's a devotional song. It's a celebration, a joyous song. And it announces something to us. If we didn't know it before, what does it tell us in here? You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God. What does that mean? 
What are you? You who believe in the Lord Jesus, what are you? Yes, yes, yes. What else? What are you? What are they saying there that you are? You are a priest. To whom? To God. You are God's priest. What does that mean? Priest. What's the word priest mean? Yes. What does a priest do? Go into the Holy of Holies, yeah. But what's the point of us now as priests? Because we can go in and out all the time. We, are, we have free access to God. So what's the point of being a priest? Yes, so we represent God to people and people to God. So we, uh, the role of a priest is to talk about God to people and talk about people to God. That's what we do. That's what we do. And that's what we are. We are a kingdom of priests to God. How? Through the blood of Jesus Christ. And, and what, what are these priests doing? They're worshipping. What do priests do? They worship. Day and night. They worship every part of their life. And, and don't think about worship as singing always. Think about worship as ascribing worth. Of course you sing. I mean, I love music. I love singing. Of course we sing. But, but the worship that's going on in heaven and that would, should be going on in us and is going on in us is not simply the singing. It's every time you decide to pick up your Bible rather than turn the TV on. It's every time you hit the Bible before you hit Facebook. It's every single time you make a choice to honor God rather than live for yourself. That's worship. And finally, finally, it's a new song. It's a worship song. It's a gospel song. It's a victorious song. It's a devotional song, i.e., we're the priests singing to our God. And it's finally, what is it? Finally, just from these verses, what is it? We are a kingdom of priests and we will reign on the earth. This is for us a prophetic song because we will reign on the earth with the Lord Jesus. When Jesus returns to earth, he will establish his kingdom on earth. Revelation 20 verse 1 to 6 tells us that. And then the prayer that we are praying, hallowed be um, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Uh, thy kingdom come. Thank you. Oh my goodness. <laughs> thy kingdom come. That prayer will be answered when he comes. And what will happen when that prayer is answered? Yes, and specifically, creation will be set free from its bondage. Romans chapter 8 says, All creation groans, waiting for the sons of God to be revealed, because the, even the planet itself, even the planets that we see in the stars, are not as they should be. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, knowing all of that then, Knowing all of that. <laughs> well, no, manner, um, not even that. Will you sing a new song? See, that's what, that's what this is all about today. It's not about, well, it is about you. It's certainly about me. Um, 
but it's mostly about what God is saying. This is what I've done. This is who you are. This is where you're going. What you're going to do on the way? Will you sing a new song? And in order to sing a new song, what has to have happened? Yeah. Yeah. How could they sing that new song? They saw God in a new way. They hadn't seen that before. And so they are singing a song that they about something they haven't seen before. Now, you may have been Christian a very long time, and I guess you could tell me everything up and down the room, what you know about God, and that would be wonderful. But I don't want to know what you know about God, even however great it is. And you shouldn't want to know what I know about God. You should want to know what God wants you to know about him. And every day, almost, we... I don't I hate that word should, so we have the privilege of coming to the word of God and asking him to show us something new. Not new necessarily, i.e. a new fact, because everything is about Jesus and it's all about his crucifixion and resurrection and him reigning in the future. It's all about that. But that is a diamond with so many facets that you can't even fathom the depth of it and the beauty of it. So ask him today, Lord, I know Revelation. I've heard these before. I've heard Anne go off on one about this and about that. Lord God, I'd, I thought it would be something different. I thought there'd be, ask him to show you something new, something you haven't seen, something deeper, something wider, something more. Ask him to show you something that will impact your life and will give you a new song. Because as we go through this day, our songs are not just for us. Your song is your witness. These people singing in heaven, they're witnessing to you and to I the truth about God. And when you sing... You witness to the people around you the reality of God. So have you seen a new thing about God this week? And this is not just a, you know, you might be able to say, yeah, I've seen 10 new things this week. Have you seen a new thing about God? Have you seen a deeper thing? Has he taken you to a different place? Has he, has he shown you? I was listening to a song coming down, a song called Clean by Natalie Grant. Natalie Grant? Hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard that song, but it is beautiful. It's beautiful. And um, I know it. I've heard it a lot of times. I think it's quite an old song. Um, but it, the opening line is... Um, uh, oh the opening line is <laughs> I can't remember exactly how it starts but it is something like this that what I call dirty you call clean or you see as clean and what I see as broken you see as beautiful I might play it later on it's a beautiful beautiful song now it's called clean and um, I've heard that song 
by coming down this morning, you know, couldn't cry too much because my makeup was on already. <laughs> <laughs> and vanity is all, vanity is all. Yeah, but, uh, but I wanted to cry <laughs> because that's what God said to me. What you see is broken. I see is beautiful. What you see is, and it, she goes through the song, I won't spoil it for you, but that's what we're trying to get to. We're trying to not be satisfied with what we know already. We're trying to go deeper and higher and wider and understand more about God so that you can sing a new song and that people who hear you sing will come to know your God. That's what it's about. That's what it's all about. And the time we have on this planet, this minuscule moment, this shadow of a life is just that. It's just the place where you can have the joy of singing to God in seeing people come to know him before you get into the eternal paradise that you have been made fit for. Yeah, I'm going to stop actually, and you'll have to come back early because I, I just want to stop there. So, um, yeah. So, Father, I, I I I just ask, Lord God, that any that you would take what I've said, what people have been writing, what we've been thinking, everything that's been going on this in this first session, that you would take it, Lord God, and make it real in us. Just make it real, Lord. And I uh, pray that our conversation through the next 20 minutes, half an hour, Lord God, will be all about you and all about your glory. And I ask, Father, that you do that in Jesus' name. Amen.